This morning we are preparing to come to the Lord's table together. We are preparing to come and to commune with God and to commune with one another. But it also begins for us a new series, a new uh, set of messages that come from the book come from the book of Colossians. Colossians is one of those letters of Paul. You find it there in the New Testament. It's kind of tucked away, but right after uh, uh, you, you kind of go through the Gospels and you get to the Acts, and then you get to Paul's letters, and you keep going and you find it. And we'll look that we'll look at it here in just a moment. But here's the thing I want you to note today: uh, we we've come to this place freely. There is. N- Maybe I shouldn't say this. There is no one that forced you to be here, and I do understand that there may be kids here who feel like, yes, they were forced, or maybe a spouse who feels like, yeah, they were kind of enticed to come here. But but there's no one who forced you by gunpoint, I hope, to come here this morning. And, listen, there was no one standing outside who at gunpoint kept you from coming here. We live at a unique time in history and a unique place in history where you and I have the freedom to worship who we will, the freedom to worship how we will, and even the freedom to worship whether we will or not. We have an option. We, we don't have to. Nobody's making us do this. This is, this is voluntary. This, you are here because you want to be. To declare your faith in Jesus Christ in some parts of the world means a death sentence. You've seen it on the news. To declare your faith in some parts of the world means that you could be arrested or you'd at least be ostracized from your community. Paul lived in such a time as that. The Apostle Paul did. In fact, had he not been a Roman citizen, which was unique, Had he not been a Roman citizen, he would have probably been killed long before he wrote this letter to the church in Colossae, the letter that we're going to be looking at and start looking at today. But he did suffer for the cause of Christ. Because he would not keep his mouth shut, this letter, the words that we're going to read today, were written from a Roman prison. Paul understood what it meant to have to suffer for Christ. But I want you to hear some of his words because from a prison, a man in shackles gives us some of the highest words of praise that you find in the entire New Testament. And so if you've got your Bibles, I I want to encourage you to open up to the book of Colossians. We're going to put the words on the screen, but I'd love for you to be able to follow along with us in this series. It's in the New Testament. You just keep going on, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then the next book will be Colossians. If you're at Revelation, go back. Gone too far. And here's how I'd like us to do it. Today we're really just dipping our toe into this. Uh, we will continue on for the next couple of months to, to look at it much more in depth. But um, I want you to see in Colossians, I want to give you the very first two verses and the very last verse 
I want you to see this. If you've got your Bibles, then I encourage you to, to look at it with me. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. That's the first two verses of chapter 1. The last verse that he writes in chapter 4, verse 18, is this. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Paul, perhaps as much as anybody else, could understand the consequences of taking a stand for Jesus Christ. In fact, he would understand it because before he became a Christian, he persecuted the church himself. He was zealous over it. He oversaw the arrest and sometimes even the execution of people whose only crime was that they professed Jesus Christ as Lord. You see, the Christian faith was seen as a threat. It was seen as a threat to Judaism. It was seen as a threat to pagan religions. And it was also seen as a threat to the Roman Empire. Why? Pretty simple. Because the church of Jesus Christ declared that Jesus was not just a man. Not just a good man. Not just a great prophet, but the church of Jesus Christ declared without compromise that Jesus is God in flesh. God come to us. The church boldly declared that Jesus was Lord and had no rivals on earth or in heaven. And for that... For that, he would be arrested. He'd be hunted. He'd be beaten. And ultimately, he'd be killed. But from his Roman prison, in chains, shackled, I want you to hear the words of praise that come from a prison. And you'll find these in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. And that's where I want us to spend a little bit of time as we prepare our hearts to share in the Lord's Supper. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 15 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Now here's what I want us to see this morning. In a little while, you're, you're going to hold bread 
in your hands, very tangible, something you can touch and, and taste. It is a reminder to us of the physical body of Jesus, that Jesus was not a ghost, that He was here physically. In a few moments, you're going to have a cup, and it's going to have this red juice in it. Again, a reminder to us of the very real blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out on Calvary's cross. You have these tangible elements because you need to know that Jesus came to us as a human being. You could see Him. You could hear Him. You could touch Him. He could be bruised. He could bleed. He could die and be buried. We need to know that. That is integral to the gospel story. But if we leave it there, it's a tragic tale of a good man who got caught up in a bad situation. Because the gospel story doesn't end there, does it? No. On the third day, the tomb was open and Jesus was alive. And what he did in, in rising was to prove to us that he was not merely a man, not merely a prophet, but that everything he'd said about himself was true. He was God's son. God come to us. And so this morning, I want us to examine these words, this hymn, this ancient hymn that Paul composed from a prison. And I just want to finish, spend a few moments and. I promise you I will not do it justice, but I encourage you to spend some time this week reading through these, these few verses and just letting them sink into your heart and your mind and your life. He begins by saying that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And what he's saying here is that Jesus made the invisible God visible. That which was hidden from the eyes of men, Jesus came. He made the invisible God visible. He was Emmanuel, God with us. In fact, he said, listen, this is what he said. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. When you look at me, you're seeing the Father. And these words from Paul echo that sentiment from Jesus. He says of Jesus that he is the firstborn of all creation. Now, I don't want us to get confused here because Jehovah Witnesses, for instance, will take this verse to say that Jesus is a created being, that he was not eternal. That's what they say. Okay, firstborn of all creation, that means that, that Jesus is a creature. But if you're going to take that stance, then you've got to just sign it, edit out the rest of this passage because Paul goes on to say this, in Him all things were created. He is not a created being. He is the creator. He is the creative force of the universe. In Him all things were created. So what it means by being firstborn of all creation is referring to His rank. He is before all and He is above all. And Paul's not finished. 
his praise gets even greater. He says he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Listen, whether you're talking about stars or salamanders, planets or platypuses, angels or iguanas, anything that you can put on the list, Jesus made it. Jesus created it. He is a creator. He is before all that because he created it. But listen, and in him all things hold together. Were he to quit thinking of us, it would all fall apart. This is pretty high praise from prison. Pretty high praise from a man who is shackled, but he can write it because he believes it. And he believed it enough to suffer for it. Well, Paul's not finished. He has already said that he's superior over all creation, but now he goes on to say that he is superior over all the church. He is head of the body that is the church. The resurrected Savior is supreme in creation, and he is supreme in his church. It is not enough for you, church of Jesus Christ, to say that he is supreme over all because you don't believe it if he's not supreme over you. If he's not supreme in the church, I have a title of senior pastor, but I am only an under-shepherd. In fact, I'm really one of the sheep. We have a great shepherd, one whose voice speaks and we respond, one who calls and we come, one who guides and we go. He is supreme over all the church. Jesus is not contained by priests or controlled by rituals or boxed up in a building. Jesus is over all. He is Savior and He is Lord. And so what Paul is telling us in these verses is, hey, listen, when you see Jesus, you've seen the fullness of God. When you see Jesus... You have seen the one who reconciled, who brings us back into right relationship with the Father. When you see Jesus, you've seen the Lord of heaven and earth. When you see Jesus, you see God who came to us to shed His blood for us that we might have life with Him forever. And so here we are at this table. It's about more than a man. It is about the Son of God. We come to remember the body, the tangible physical body of Jesus, to remember the blood, the real blood that was shed on Calvary's cross, and we should do that. But let us also remember that He was more than the disciples ever imagined. He was more than you can ever imagine. He is more than enough. And folks, as we go through these next few weeks, what I want you to discover from the book of Colossians is that Jesus is enough. And so, what is it that you come needing today? Jesus is enough. 
What is it that you come seeking today? I want to encourage you, Jesus is enough. What is it that you come lacking today? Jesus is enough. Listen. If you come here and you feel as if your life is unraveling, Jesus is enough because in Him all things hold together. This morning, uh, because of the specialness of this day and the opportunity to uh, present the license to Luke Miller and the opportunity this afternoon for us to ordain as a church. Please come back for that to ordain uh, David Chronic this afternoon. I, I decided, you know what, this is appropriate. I don't wear jackets very much. I'm going to put on a jacket. And if I'm going to wear the jacket, I've really I've got to have a, a shirt. And I looked in my closet and there are no shirts that are ironed. That's not my wife's fault. We made a deal a long time ago. She didn't mess with my shirts. But I was ironing my shirt and and I got, there's a button on it, and I looked at it, and I, I, I said, oh, there's a string hanging off. So I went and I got the scissors to snip the string, but I looked very, very carefully, and that button was just holding on by a thread. Since then, I've lost it. Why don't I tell you that? Because here's the deal. When your life is unraveling, there is a Savior who puts it back together. When your life is coming apart, there's a Savior that holds all things together. And it is that Savior that we come to celebrate today in this bread and this cup more than a man. The very Son of God, who because of His great love for us, came, died on a cross, shedding His blood, was buried in a tomb, rose again on the third day, and invites us all to come into His life. If you don't know that this morning, then I'm going to ask something of you. If this is not your story, then just let these, let these elements pass. Let the bread, the cup pass. Nobody's going to think any of the worst of you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, however, even if you're not a member of this church, this is for you. Let the bread remind you of His body given for you. And the blood reminds you, the cup reminds you of His blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Gentlemen, if you'll come forward, we'll pray and prepare to take the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this time, for this moment, as we come to share in the bread and the cup. Lord, may it be significant for us and for those, Lord, who have to let it pass because they're not part of this story. They know the story. They've heard the story, but it's not their story because they've never received Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord. Father, I pray that this would encourage them, draw them to faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we ask that this might not simply be a time for us to remember, 
but it might be a time for us to share that faith with others around us. And so, Lord, we prepare our hearts to come and receive the bread and the cup. In Jesus' precious name, amen. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Having eaten of the bread, let us now drink of the cup and remember. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the remembrance. And we pray that the taste on our lips, that it would stay with us long after the physical taste is gone. We know that the cup was bitter because it meant the shedding of the blood of our Savior Jesus. But Lord, it is so sweet because we get to share in life because of His death. And so, Lord, we thank You. Let us remember not only today, but each day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, thank you. We're going to have one more song in just a moment, and that will close out a service. But this is more than just a service. As a matter of fact, our entire lives are a service. We are part of this great gospel story that was declared at this table. And we have the opportunity to share that gospel story with others who aren't part of it now. You see, not everybody believes that Jesus came. Not everybody believes that Jesus was the Son of God. Not everybody believes that He was resurrected after His crucifixion. Not everybody believes that He's coming back one day to take us to be with Him. Not everybody believes that. Your role and mine are to share that gospel truth and to pray for those who don't know Christ as Savior and Lord and encourage them, invite them to receive Him. And so I want to do that just now. If you had to let the bread go by, if you had to let the cup go by because you know that you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You've never come to a point in your life where you have turned from your sins and turned to Christ and embraced Him as Savior and Lord. But today you said, you know what, that, that's enough. I'm tired of my life completely unraveling and seeing no hope and no help. I believe today that Jesus is God's Son, that He did come for me, and that in Him all things hold together, and I want to be a part of all that. I want Him to hold on to me like that. If you need Jesus as Savior, 
you're ready to follow Him as Lord, then you simply need to come to Him in faith and say something like this, Dear God, I am a sinner. And I'm separated from You. I know it. But I don't want it to stay that way. Today I put my faith in Your Son, Jesus. I believe in Him. And I want to follow Him for the rest of my life and into eternity. And so today, Lord, I turn from my sin and I turn to You. And by grace, through faith, I believe in Jesus. Thank You, God, for saving me. And I want to give You an opportunity to do that. And so I want to ask everybody here, if you don't mind, just being quiet for a moment, maybe bowing your head, closing your eyes. If you're already a believer, then pray for someone you know who needs Jesus. If you're not, then maybe you're ready to pray that prayer even now and receive Jesus as Savior. So let's all be quiet for a moment and allow people to do business with the Heavenly Father. Father, thank you for hearing the prayers of your people, those who pray for those who don't know Christ and those who this morning who may have prayed to receive him. Lord, we all come to that point in life where we recognize that we're not enough. And we're ready to turn over our life to you. And so, Lord, I pray that those that you called this morning to faith would have the boldness to stand for their faith, to declare Jesus as Savior and Lord in front of the whole world. Lord, thank you that you love us and save us in Jesus' name. Amen.